Welcome to News of the World, where you are getting your news in a way that you never thought you would get it. Indeed. Indeed. Yep. yep. I agree. I completely agree. <laughs> That's the kind of news we have for you. Basically, it's just the recycled news of last week yeah. <laughs> that you've already heard and thought about. Yeah, but it's good for the environment. We reuse. <laughs> <laughs> We are recycling. That's it. We just put it into the news cycle and then it keeps cycling and cycling. And uh, there's no better cycling than talking to a bicycle mark. <laughs> a, ma a man <laughs> who doesn't have a bicycle with... No, I actually do have a bicycle downstairs in the garage. Hello, Tim. Hello from, from somewhere central coastal Portugal. Oh, um, still. Hi. Yeah, you're... Yeah, you're not going back to the super spreaders. <laughs> well, apparently the Nether's the Netherlands is not doing well with COVID. I mean, the you know this is all relative. Uh, people in my neighborhood are are making do with the current situation, but I'm staying in Portugal a little longer because hey, remote work and um, mm -hmm. and as a person who teaches in the developing world, I can't go to the developing world. So my uh, my usual working habits are. Uh, currently suspended until further noticed. Yeah. The, okay. At, at least the, the in-person work that I've done in, in Africa, I can't do. So I can stay out here in Portugal, tend to the farm, do podcasts, watch the news. Great. So it's uh, going much better than Netherlands. I'm just having a look at the uh, cases. For Portugal. Oh, yeah. It's definitely going better <laughs> in Portugal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the Netherlands is now the the bad bad child of Europe in terms of COVID numbers, daily numbers, um, and in terms of behavior. Uh, I think people lose track of who's the bad child of Europe from month to month. Uh, there was a time where we all thought about Spain, and we looked at Italy, and it was like, oh my goodness, what's going on? <laughs> uh, um, and allegedly, according to my friends who pay more attention to statistics than I do, um, the Netherlands is now that country for Europe. Uh, it is. That's funny. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know that. But no, now no. that I've checked it, uh, it's actually worse than France. Yeah. And that's something. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. You know, there's there's the image of a country and there's the practical what's really going on and I, I don't know if the image of the Netherlands is still a sort of pragmatic place but if you if you like masks as a tool for helping curtail the spread of the virus just as one example um, in the Netherlands people don't wear masks they rarely I mean the only time they have over the last eight to nine months in is on no no on public transport that's the only time oh really so now they're trying to push uh, that you wear masks, indeed, like you said, Tim, in shops. Um, but I think there's some question as to whether or not people will do it because they're so used to not doing it. They kept a distance from one another without a mask, but they kept their distance. So they thought, well, we're doing something. Um, but there's this strange, I'm going to call it strange, reluctance to wear masks. There was the top health official in the Netherlands who's in charge of the equivalent of the CDC, who has always touted research that shows that masks are not reliable. And he's really 
stuck with this point to say that I'm not going to say that masks are the most important thing. More important is distance, is, uh, you know, cleaning of hands. And he really hangs on. He's the only official left in the Netherlands that really hangs on to this point. Oh, probably not only in the Netherlands, but uh, <laughs> in the world, because I think this the case is clear that masks actually uh, have the greatest impact because the spread is not only limited by distance. It's uh, a matter of aerosols and uh, so whenever you're indoor. So the basic problem is indoors, many people, long time. Yeah. So restaurants, and bars and, or, and shops and that's it. I do see a, a, an interesting contrast. So Portugal, I mean, generally the population is much more obedient. So if the government says do this, people do it, uh, especially with anything related to science. And what you see here is that people all have masks on almost always in public, definitely in shops. There's just no getting around it. I was denied entrance into a restaurant the other day, and I was just asking about the menu, and he skipped the whole telling me about the menu, and I didn't have a mask on at the time. I had it in my pocket. And he said, but I can't let you in. You don't have a mask. And I was like, no, no, I have one, and I pulled it out. Um, but people are very strict here. But ironically, they wanted to seat me right next to another table. They, they still pack places in with people, and the supermarkets can get very crowded, but everybody's got a mask. So there is something to this... A uh, message of yeah, yeah, wear a mask. But then, in addition, there are other things we need to be doing. And strangely enough, Portugal really relies on the mask and the gel everywhere. But after that, there you never know, really. Um, so <sighs> it's it's just tricky. And and the whole mask wearing thing. I mean, we all know nose maskers, masks around the neck. Masks seem to travel. They start on the face, but then they they sort of <laughs> migrate. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um my experience which is well like everybody is limited in scope yeah. um <laughs> but also what i can tell from from my own experience how i see it it's just getting so normal i mean mm -hmm. most people are just annoyed by you know how they might look like and how they might come across or somehow thinking Oh, it was it used to be better than, and I wanted to be, you know, like it always was. Yeah, here's news for you. You know, it's not like it was before. It's it's different now. Uh, just face it, and 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 I think that that piece of cloth in front of your nose and mouth is really a small tribute you can uh, pay to to society to make it uh, all work because it actually helps. I mean, uh, and even if it doesn't um, prevent you from getting infected or preventing somebody else getting infected by you, um, it sh seems to be the case now that by wearing masks, at least you limit the amount of virus load you actually uh, inhale And that leads to less complicated uh, cases in the end. Yep. So even if you're infected, you are actually increasing the likelihood that you will survive or at least not uh, suffer uh, so much consequences. And that's, that's a fine thing. And that's yes. something I can totally arrange with in the uh, next half year. And then it's going to be over Yeah. somehow. But, but Tim, imagine you're invited to the White House. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a garden party. Yes. Uh, there's a new ju judge everyone wants to meet. Could be the next Supreme Court judge. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, 
I would, would immediately strip naked, my friend. <laughs> that comes in the second half of the party. Yeah. First, so. Naked faces. That's it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we had the garden party, the rose garden party. I guess it's been two weeks. I don't know. You lose track of time these in these times. But when uh, indeed at the White House in Washington, uh, Trump had a lot of his friends over. I don't I don't know how close they all are in terms of friends, but they were close in Trump terms of distance. Trump has no friends. <laughs> he just Everybody has is just business partners. <laughs> yep. And the business these days is getting a Supreme Court judge uh, voted on. And uh, so there were senators, there were family members of the judge. There was even the director of Notre Dame University who also, well, got COVID because that was the big the big prize at this uh, at this party. At the end of the day, you, you might take home a little extra piece of cake. But it turns out they also took home COVID. Uh, chief among them was the commander in chief, who turns out to have had by all accounts, including medical experts, he had COVID. I say this because I question whether or not he really does. He says a lot of things, but apparently I think we can accept that the president of the United States had COVID for what? A long weekend, it seemed mm -hmm. to me. It was very odd because the news came out on a Friday and by Saturday evening, depending on where you are in the world, but his Saturday evening, he was actually taken to Walter Reed Medical Center. Then we had these really strange photo shoots where he's at a makeshift desk signing blank papers um, and telling everyone that he's getting some cool meds. And and by Sunday, he's telling us all the names of these meds. Uh, by Monday or Tuesday, I don't know, he's back in the White House and he's saying, I'm cured, God wanted me to get COVID. Uh, so that I could really learn. He says, I went to school, not the one with books, but the real life school. Which is For the first time. Because, yeah. so I thought school was the one with books, mm -hmm. but he says, no, the real life, the real school is the one where you get COVID and then you know stuff about it. Um, honestly, as an observer, I thought in terms of how this could go for the election, for the popularity of Trump, I was not pleased that the president got um, COVID because I just felt like somehow he's gonna use this for his own benefit. And he seems to be trying to basically do that. Well, everything uh, he does is um, trying to, you know, <laughs> benefit uh, him. That's 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 uh, the only reason for his existence is make him look great and uh, be the coolest guy on the planet, which he's never going to be. <laughs> and I think now he is uh, pretty ill, and this is uh, far from over. I mean, I've seen, um, I mean, the video you mentioned where he was sitting at this desk with yeah. lots of empty papers in front of him, uh, <laughs> that looked, uh, there was a, a certain cut in the middle, in the middle, ah, yes. in the middle of the video, um, where they used some weird um, filter of Adobe After Effects that, you know, can, you can use to stretch it somehow, so it looks like nothing happened, but you you notice it. Mm -hmm. So apparently he had a cough or something. And uh, <laughs> later on, um, in uh, on the radio, on the TV, in interviews, oh, yeah. uh, he was um, not really sounding like somebody who was uh, in perfect health. Yeah, but but. Here we are. It's been where are we? <laughs> it's been a week uh, since all that, and now his 
doctors. I don't remember any names, but the, the official doctor of the White House, who's, as far as I know, not a political figure, so doesn't have any, I don't think has a specific reason for lying, I'm going with. But they're saying he is now COVID-free, or at least... Yeah, he no longer is infectious, which is, of course, what he's been insisting since the, the first day he was out. Well, that's now, something completely different. I mean, he's definitely not COVID-free. I don't believe that. You know, the, the illness itself is in him. He might um, test negative for the virus. That might be. Um, but um, I think he is not completely healthy now. I, mm. I, I, I can't uh, think about it. I mean, this is something... Some people are plagued by the illness for months. Yeah. And it's something that's coming yeah. uh, again and again. And he ticks all the boxes in terms of uh, is he like an endangered part of society? I mean, he's old, he's uh, fat. Yes. Uh, he <laughs> obese, Tim, obese. Yeah, he's obese. <laughs> he's, yeah, he doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't really live a healthy lifestyle. And, mm -hmm. um, definitely watches too much television there's that is that that's not good for your covid um yeah well in his first sort of priorities uh, besides telling everyone about the drugs uh, that are still not uh, available nor are they fully uh, tested i think he got himself into like a sort of test group uh, i guess based on who he is um but his first priority after that was to have or schedule rallies uh, you know it's it's like the and the first place he has a rally not you know, Texas or, or Michigan or whatever. No, it's at the White House. <laughs> so he had a rally at the White House over the weekend. And now he does this thing. I mean, I think I've seen him do it twice where he'll appear in a mask and then he'll take the stage. And I mean, he, he's going to talk, so he's going to take off the mask. But there is something theatrical to when he does it. Kind of like, I'm good. I've risen from the dead. You know, I'm alive. I'm strong. And and he keeps saying strange things like, I feel better than I did 20 years ago. He keeps giving time frames where he, he hasn't felt this good since. Oh, yeah. He's um, incredibly young now. He's uh, yeah, almost yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what we always said. I mean, we always refer to him as a five-year-old with yeah. all his uh, terrible tantrums. What's interesting is if you look at the timeline, Nobody really knows when the infection started because as far as I know, they haven't really disclosed the first positive test and they ha or they have, no, they have disclosed the first positive test, but they haven't disclosed the last negative test. Yeah. And. <laughs> yeah, that's odd. Uh, there is uh, an assumption that there might not have been one, you know, mm -hmm. that he just refused to be uh, tested but after everybody who was so really fucking close to him uh, got uh, got the virus and tested positive, then they finally persuaded him to, you know, have a test made uh, as well. So that's something we don't know. But then after he probably even knew that he had the virus, that was the day he had the discussion on stage with Joe Biden. So yeah. he might have knew, known, you know, a positive uh, result. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, of course, um, well, he doesn't care. And, well, fortunately enough, Joe Biden wasn't, 
got did not get infected at this event. Although for the presidential race, I don't know if it was fortunate enough. Obviously, for his health, it's fortunate. But uh, now Trump uses, of course, as we said, uh, the having had the virus or having the virus period as a strength. He says he now really understands it. <laughs> yeah. He learned so much about the virus. I'm thinking, what were you doing all these other months? But no, no, you had to get it to really start reading. And um, and what he says, you know, critic criticism of Biden is that he, he hides from it. He doesn't have it. And so this becomes a thing now. Like, uh, if he didn't get it, of course, and if Biden got it, it would have been, look at Biden. He's so dumb he got the virus or something like that. But now it's, look at Biden, he didn't get the virus. What a weakling. There's just no win here, uh, at least in Trump's mind language. Yeah, I mean, that's the way he, he operates and, and, and everybody knows it uh, right now. I don't think he can persuade anybody but uh, but his... Well, the hard, base. Most hardcore, yeah, but the base is too small. I mean, he can't win this election with his base. He needs to win over swing voters. He needs uh, to win over uh, so-called independents, people yeah. which I don't really understand why they have this <laughs> position. Or he might um, need, and that's probably the strategy, activate potential voters who would otherwise not vote. And that's uh, everything. But, well... Polls, I don't know which truth they are about to tell us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we yeah, have yeah. been burned once. Sure. Um, uh, at least do not indicate that this really makes any 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 dent in the numbers. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the current, again, you rightfully said, uh, Tim, that we can talk about polls, but we've been, the polls have been wrong, really wrong, Uh so often, including four years ago. And here we are in a situation, and I'll jump to it now with the presidential election, and all the major polls, at least the ones I see, because we live in a, a funky world where you can always find a underground poll somewhere for whatever you want to see. But at least in the sort of major media show Biden ahead by, when we talk about points, anywhere between single digits, five to 10, sometimes 12, sometimes 15. It's it, this week, the big, uh, I mean, we're only in Monday, but the big thing is that it's it's gone down a little, but he's, Biden still has a lead. Um, so indeed, as you say, Biden has had a lead for some time. It doesn't seem like this COVID episode has helped Trump, even though, as I said, it seems like he's trying to make it uh, uh, something that gets him more support. He did get the sympathy thing from sort of a few other leaders and I don't know, maybe some Americans who were, even Biden himself, uh, who's from a sort of old school politeness, says, you know, we wish the president well. And uh, all of a sudden, all kinds of commentators who usually criticize the president were so worried they didn't want to be seen as celebrating. Um, you know, meanwhile, I'm, I'm kind of celebrating. I think the man should, you know, be in suffering a little bit because he seems like he makes other people suffer. And I don't know, it's it's childish. But I think like, yeah, I hope you do have a really bad illness that is not fun <sighs> i don't know i'm yeah. sorry i'm sorry everyone i'm so sorry no i'm not um so so if we look at the presidential races right and and as we said trump is going to have his rallies he's trying to get some of these uh, mobilize some of these especially the states like you said that are in question that he needs the the swing voters for sure and um you know we're 
We're less than one month away uh, since last we spoke to him. I voted. I sent in my my ballot. It's a very it's a very kind of homemade process. You you print it out and you fill it out and you mm -hmm. scan it. And then you send it to a county clerk, wherever your county is in the United States. And then the county clerk, you send it as an attachment, of course, old school. And then the county clerk responds to you specifically saying, I received your vote. It's been registered. And uh, I guess there it is. It's, the process is done, at least for me. Uh, in New Jersey. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It took okay. about, to get the confirmation, took about four or five days uh, uh. between voting. You got the confirmation by means of what? Uh, an email. And and there's an odd detail, and I still have the form here. It says here, like, when you vote via email, you've scanned in a document, you know, you've filled in the, the bubble, bubbles, um, and then you're supposed to, and I still haven't done it, because it's hard to get a stamp in this uh, rural area, but uh, I have an envelope that's all addressed, and I'm supposed to send the hard copy in, and it has to arrive by... I think election day or something like that. But they're saying to me, vote, or, vote is already registered, thanks. So I don't know. It's so confusing. I mean, I will send this in. I'm yeah. going to get a stamp <laughs> after, after we record. <laughs> okay, so yeah. you vote. I wonder what you voted for. <laughs> well, I looked hard Suspense. at the Green Party, <laughs> you know, but I can't remember the candidate's name, so I thought, forget it. But it's green, it's a nice color, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, and hey, I have voted green in my younger years, and I will again one day. Uh, I like the I have liked the Green Party in the Nader days. Yes, and uh, Ralph Nader is still one of my favorite people and commentators. He still does commentary, which I like. Um, but yeah, this time around, I I went with the uh, I believe I went with all Democrats. Mm -hmm. Somewhere there's a yay, but uh, yeah, we'll see how that works. <laughs> well, New Jersey, I would say, is a state that is not endangered of being won by Trump, right? Not at all. Not at all. Despite the fact that even in the county that I, he's from like one county over. No, he's not from. That's where he had his, uh, his casinos that are now all abandoned and sold off. Um, yeah, yeah. So no, no risk there. I mean, the only change that I could possibly make as a voter um, is that the congressional seat uh, where I am registered to is actually a conservative, I think it's a conservative area because it's South Jersey. Um, and uh, that that could go Republican. I think it has been. Uh, so there I might have some influence because I voted for the Democrat. So, yeah. But actually, if we look at the national uh, picture, and let's do that a little bit with the election, um, Congress, uh, according to all the sort of pundits, and you can take this with a grain of salt, but Congress will likely remain Democrat and actually they may make some gains. Um, it looks likely that they'll make gains. So... Uh, whatever happens, it seems like Congress is going to go stay Democrat, maybe increase their share. Uh, and then we come back to the Senate race. Um, by the way, thank you to, um, I don't have the name in front of me, but you know who you are. And you didn't even give us permission to like say your name, so maybe I shouldn't do that. But there was a great comment that you can read um, that sort of updated uh, some of my missing information or incorrect information. Thanks for that. Um, but yeah, it was about which states... Senate-wise, could shift Democrat or or could shift Republican. Which states are like we know what's going to happen? Which states is it really uh, stuck like in the middle, like 50-50, Don't know. And I've been reading up on it. I've watched some debates. 
It's fairly interesting, Tim. I don't know if you want to go sort of for all the big states. So what are you most interested in, would you say? Um, well, let's go through uh, the list because uh, I, I think it's interesting or it's uh, very useful um, to, to know about what to focus on in the, in the uh, coming weeks. Okay, so I use two main sources. One, Politico, which pulls a lot of inf inf information with help from MIT, um, I think Daily Coast. So, you know, they've got some interesting information they've gathered, and they say they only can sort of say with confidence that one state is going to become Democrat. That's what they say initially, and that's Colorado. Um, Are we talking about the Senate now? Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. Um, and that's a former governor of the state uh, that is uh, doing well, well enough against uh, the incumbent senator that that seat could go Democrat, which has been Republican. Um, now, you mentioned, we, you and I have mentioned uh, our dear um, Senate Majority Leader, um, and it does not look like, that's the Kentucky race, uh, that they're going to be able to unseat uh, the Republican there. Um, it's sometimes considered a close-ish race, um, but uh, McConnell is is not, doesn't look like he's going to shift. Now, where we do see um, shifts other than Colorado is uh, Georgia is considered so close that they're going to have, I didn't know they have this, they could have a runoff um, in January. Uh, that's a Republican by the name of Purdue, and there's a Democrat, Ossoff, I don't know much about either one, but it looks like it's close enough that we might go Democrat, but it, it's going to take time. And actually, that would only come in January. So that's a um, one people will have to wait for even after this election. In Alabama, you also have uh, a shift the other way possible. There's a current Democrat, Doug Jones, um, and he's being challenged by a former football coach. I think that's Tunsil. Um, and, you know, football in Alabama is a big deal. Although this guy is Auburn, a former Auburn coach, and people, and I think Alabama uh, has a bigger uh, following. So that could go Republican. That's always a tough one anyway, Alabama, uh, for Democrats, even if they did have one Senate seat there. Um, I did mention some of the old school people that might be challenged. So Maine and all accounts of the media, Washington Post, Politico, they all say the Democrats have spent a lot of money and this is considered part of how you win, um, for the Democrat to beat Susan Collins, who's sort of an old name in politics in, in, in the Senate. Uh, they've got Sarah Gideon, and all the polls show Gideon is, is going to do this, but it's still not considered a lock because it's been a Republican seat for a long time. Susan Collins is a very known name, so I have no idea. Uh, I've never seen Sarah Gideon uh, speak there are some pretty cool debates that you can watch. There's one tonight with uh, McConnell and his opponent. I forget her name. I believe it's a her. Um, but she's not considered to be someone who's going to win. Uh, she is giving him a hard time. That's nice to know. Um, the one I've been watching a lot has a lot to do with what's going on with the Supreme Court now, and that's um, the South Carolina race, right? And that's um, where we have Harrison, who's this really well-spoken uh, Democrat. I really like listening to him. Um, and he's taking on, um, oh, uh, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. I almost lost his name. And Lindsey Graham is one of these old-school names in the Republican Party. Used to be very critical of Trump. Now he's like total fanboy. And I've been watching their debates. And it's one of these cases where uh, Graham has had contact with a lot of other Republicans, some of which now have 
um, COVID, <laughs> mm -hmm. maybe part of the super spreader event. And uh, Harrison, the Democrat, who's doing really well in the polls, although he's not seen to be a likely win, he has been demanding things like social distancing at the uh, debates, and he even brought his own screen. Uh, so you see this debate, and uh, the Democrat has a screen that he brought, uh, plexiglass, and Lindsey Graham doesn't have anything. And um, it's it's interesting. And so apparently Lindsey Graham has, just like what you said about the White House refusing to show the latest sort of uh, COVID test. Lindsey Graham has refused to take a test since he's had all these meetings with people who had COVID. Uh -huh. So the debates have fallen apart. He claims, Graham claims, this Democrat is asking for special treatment and he doesn't understand what it's like just to talk with South Carolinians uh, without any tests or any plexiglass. Uh, Harrison says, I'm a father of two children. I, I got responsibilities. I'm not going to risk getting COVID from a guy who's been hanging out with people who have COVID. I'm not asking for special treatment. I think everybody should function this way. Um, they've been interesting debates, but unfortunately, I think Graham is going to win. And he is the head of the Judiciary Committee that is, as we speak, having uh, the hearings for uh, Coney Barrett as the possible new um, judge. Um, anything in else interesting? One more, maybe. Arizona, that looks like it's going to be going Democrat. Um, I, I'm surprised it's not considered a lock. Uh, but anyway, Mark Kelly, he's the husband of the, I believe it was a congresswoman who was shot, if you remember, all those years ago. Um, just like middle of the day, shot at a rally or something. Um, that, this is her husband, Gabby Gifford's husband. And he looks like he's going to beat Martha McSally, who... Uh, lost her uh, the other Senate seat uh, some time ago and then was appointed to this one, I guess, when some, I can't remember who the uh, Arizona senator was that was probably became part of the Trump administration. It's probably right in front of me, but I, I don't know. And it looks like he's going to win. Uh, so Arizona could go with a, a new Democrat um, in the Senate. So there's some room for movement, but apparently it all boils down to you probably get one or two seats and you might lose one or two. I guess that's why Politico and others are saying it's really close. There's not much we can say with confidence. I'm actually a bit surprised to hear that there are Democrats who could actually lose their Senate seat. Yeah. I yeah. mean, how is this possible? Huh. It's an interesting thing. Well, in the case of Alabama, it's the power of football. <laughs> Um, but I think that the message, so I've been watching these Lindsey Graham uh, statements, it's, it's, I don't recommend it, but what he tries to do, of course, like all these Republicans, they, they didn't used to speak like Trump, they even criticized him, but now they're trying to speak like him, and the, the things that they're using most are this idea of radicalism, this guy's a radical, this guy's a, so they say socialist a lot, and they focus on the protests Uh, Black Lives Matters protests, those instances around the country where they've turned violent or there has been violence, and they say, this guy trying to beat me represents chaos. He wants the fighting in the streets. So they're using these few points that are pretty much Trump talking points, and they're riding them. And I think that this works for some people. I mean, I might have said this before on this program, but I remember people when I was a kid talking about New Jersey and Newark during the 60s and the uprisings by the poor and, and black community. And people would say like, oh, those are just, 
there was chaos. It was craziness. We needed law and order. And other people, of course, would say, well, no, there was a social cause behind this. There was an anger. There was a, a system that was in place. So I think what these candidates are riding on to defeat the Democrat is pushing these messages that, look, that guy over there is going to drive our country into more of this chaos that you're scared of, right? So you're scared of the country falling apart. You're scared of, I don't know, violence. I know there are people listening that go, but what about all the people with guns? They, they don't frame it that way, right? Mm -hmm. They frame it as if you support a Democrat, Democrats are weak, they're critical of the police, um, and we're gonna all fall apart. And this works for people. I mean, some people. Yeah, I mean, it's the classic right-wing demagogues. And I mean, it's so funny. I mean, if you look <laughs> at what's going on in the US from a European perspective, you know, I mean, <laughs> we're out of the discussion when they name socialism as being something completely horrible. It's like, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's like these TV clips on Fox News when you see these four moderators talking to each other. It's like, yeah. And then they want free healthcare and they want to raise the minimum wage for everybody. And, yeah. you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, isn't that a good thing? But they just talk about it as if it means yeah. setting your house on fire. Yeah. 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 Why I mean, look, do people believe this <laughs> shit? Well, yeah, because you could, you could frame it in such a way that it seems counter to how we do things. And it takes the power out of your hands. Tim, you won't get to choose your health care. You, they're telling you what you have to do with your body and your medicine. Well, we got to be careful with that one because it sounds like a, mm. a pro-abortion. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, if you frame it, you can take the exact same point and frame it in such a way that it sounds scary to actually anyone um, if you use the right language. And that's what's going on. And you're right. I mean, it's, it's classic, really. Um, and, and I don't know, I've been sort of disappointed if you, if you watched the very confusing first debate, um, with, with Trump and Biden, um, Trump has a funky strategy where he says like, you know, he calls him a socialist a few times and he says, you want, you want the green new deal, right? And then Biden, the campaign has decided to say, no, we don't. Um, he's not one of the original sponsors of the whole thing. Um, so then Trump will say, oh, you don't then you just lost the left. And this is very, well, potentially very interesting because, I mean, it's just the rantings of a madman mostly, but a madman with a little tact, he could steer things in such a way that he frames Biden as only a centrist and any kind of progressive people may stay home. It's possible. I'm one of those people. I'm tempted to stay home with all this, obviously. I mean, Corona aside, I, I'm not a big fan of Joe Biden. He's not a progressive. He's not moving our society forward, in my opinion. Um, this has become a sort of, he's the, we think he's the one who can win. He's not the best candidate. He's just what we've got. And it's actually always like this every four years, more or less. Yeah. Um, so we're back at this. So I, I think that this, um, yeah, this kind of messaging is interesting. Also, Trump has been touting you're going to get these meds for Corona for free. And he keeps saying for free. And Madge Weinstein has long had this theory, and I think you've heard it, Tim, that what if, what if, I mean, it's almost too late, which is good, but what if Trump suddenly pushes for like free healthcare? He takes one little piece of a progressive agenda and he throws it in, or he, you know, he, he, he says it a lot. 
<laughs> could he get some of those sort of on the fence voters? I, it's we're close enough now where I don't think so, but it's a funny theory because it, it is possible. You never, you know, Trump is an opportunist. He's not loyal to any sort of ideology. Um, so it's yeah, it's these games of language. I mean, and I mean, he games he, he did do that many times. I mean, he was always talking about you know the best healthcare and 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 whatnot. I mean, nothing came uh, that was uh, was even close to the to this. Right. So. He, right. Of course, he's going to say it. The, the problem is not what 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 shit he's throwing at you. Uh, question is if the is the shit just hitting the fan or is it sticking to the wall? Yeah, yeah. You just throw a bunch of stuff and maybe it sticks. Yeah. You know that's yeah. That's always been the way, I guess, especially for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, interestingly, I, I learned that there are a few candidates. Uh, one is in Oregon, Republicans. And one is in, I forget, I think Michigan or something. Um, they're QAnon people, at least they're labeled as people who have, uh, <laughs> maybe not knowing what they're talking about, but have said that they are, they believe in that whole uh, conspiracy theory where Trump is the savior of the world. And um, that actually has helped those Democrats comfortably have leads in those Senate races, um, which I find fascinating. Just nominate a crazy person. That always helps <laughs> the other side. Yes. Hmm. So we have some crazy people that will, hopefully, it seems like they will lose, but we may have some crazy people who will win. Yeah, I'm still disappointed with the outlook that the Senate might not change at all. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I'm, I'm also quite huh, disappointed, and here we'll move slightly to another topic, but this is all outlining, you know, what's going on in the background, the Supreme Court hearings. And we covered, of course, Amy Coney Barrett coming up, been nominated. Um, now she's going through the hearings this week. And um, strangely enough, she's, it doesn't look like there's anything that's going to stop her. I don't know how soon they can do it Friday, maybe next week. It's so odd how it all just happens. You think that there's enough opposition, you think that there's enough public outcry, but actually, no. She could just be nominated. I used to think that there must be something that could stop her in this short amount of time. I mean, if any institution is slow and and prone to just suddenly not doing anything, it's the Senate. And all of a sudden, they're an efficient machine. Even with people, uh, senators with COVID, they're, they're just moving forward. I mean, as far as I understand this, uh, the only way to put pressure on the Senate because there's nothing for the opposition to to do here i mean they have absolutely no power no no rights they can't block anything there's no um uh, what's the name for talking endlessly to stop uh, some filibuster. the filibuster uh, thing that was was this thing in the past but it's no longer i don't know um, so there's nothing they can do. So the only point is to put pressure on individual Senate members that are up for re-election. <laughs> right. So But by the time... Is that happening? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure there are states where being a vocal supporter of Trump, even as a Republican, isn't good these days. So you may quiet yourself, you know, you may quiet down with those talking points, with that kind of language. So it could be. I mean, a lot of people are are writing about, uh, in the media anyway, that this week it'll be a big moment for uh, Kamala Harris because she's on that committee, the Judiciary Committee. So she gets to ask 
really hard questions. And in theory, if she found something in her research of, of Barrett that is, well, doesn't, doesn't look right, doesn't feel right for a judge, makes her somehow unacceptable, then she could bring that out and then she won't be confirmed. I mean, but we've seen huge assholes. <laughs> no, wait, no. Um, like Kavanaugh, for example, who had yeah. actual records related to sexual harassment and they still got confirmed. So, and, and here we have Barrett who doesn't even have something like that. She, what does she got? She's a conservative. She probably helped, uh, I mean, she was a kid, but she probably helped uh, W. Bush uh, win that, that strange contested election in Florida because she was on uh, the legal team. Uh, she's uh, super Christian, maybe, I guess, from what I've read. But none of this is going to be enough to, uh, you know, she didn't commit any crimes or, <laughs> or At really least not ethically. that we know of. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Not that we know of. <laughs> she didn't commit any crimes that we know of. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe some fashion crimes. I don't know. <laughs> so it's uh, it's like you said. You you started this by saying um, it's odd and disappointing that it doesn't look like anything will change with the Senate. I agree with you, and it's also very odd how a, a big issue like a Supreme Court justice. Um, where there there is opposition, there is some reasoning not to go forward with it. It's just going forward. When is this going to happen? If they just uh, go ahead, uh, the well, the hearings go on this week. Um, she gets her opening remarks today, so I don't know when they do the vote, but for sure they're doing it before the election. So I think we're talking a matter of maybe. Maybe it's weeks, maybe two weeks. I'm not sure how fast this will go, but it's got to go fast. We're at October 12th. Um, how fast are Senate seats usually replaced if there's an election? I mean, the president uh, stays there to January. Yeah, so they have yeah. all the time in the world uh, to do it even later on. That is true. I mean, I think a lot of times there's a recess of some kind, but it seems like they're super motivated not to take a vacation these days. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, especially Lindsey Graham. I think is yeah yeah so it's yeah there's just too much room here for them to push this forward so um, the only way to stop them from doing this is that they all get uh, the virus and die uh, or just stay home really sick <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i considered that and that was because i think that the virus did impact uh i don't have anything in front of me that tells me this but enough senators were ill that for sure they weren't going to work um so yeah, but the Senate, uh, the Judiciary Committee is smaller, right? And I don't know that anyone on that committee is down with COVID. And I don't even know if enough people are down with COVID as long as they have the, whatever it is, the legally required uh, uh, group quorum, then they can just, just go forward and you're just absent. Mm -hmm. um, so this, yeah. this will give Kamala Harris uh, a bit more spotlight. Could, yeah. At least. I mean, not that she uh, she needs that. I think she, what's your impression? What's, what was the reception of her? I mean, compared to Joe Biden, she is rather progressive, isn't she? Uh, compared to Joe Biden, she's progressive, but there are, look, she's a complex human. I mean, she's been a prosecutor. It is hard to be a, not impossible, uh, but it is difficult to be a progressive prosecutor, perhaps. Um, her path has been mixed. She's been a, a very pro 
police, very supportive of law enforcement type prosecutor, but she'll also now, and maybe over the last few years, speak out against, uh, you know, system, systemic, systematic? systematic racism. Uh, she herself is a woman of color. I mean, uh, experience as well there. So she's a complex human. She can be progressive, but she's not a, a mega, she's not a Warren. Um, she's definitely not an AOC in the sense of her, what she wants to see for the country. Uh, did you watch that vice presidential uh, debate between Harris and the fly? <laughs> I saw excerpts. Did you see the fly's performance? Yes. Okay. Uh, she, you know, neither of them did much, right? It was characterized as a pretty dry uh, debate. And many newspapers said, good, we needed something, you know, dry <laughs> after what we saw. Finally, uh, boring is back. <laughs> yeah, boring is back. And, uh, and, and I, I would agree, you know, she didn't say, again, the Green New Deal thing came up. And she walked sideways from being associated with environmentalism. Very strange. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, playing on patriotism a bit. Oh, no, I can't think of when she did that. But I know the overall feeling that I got is that she's not doing anything too special here. She's, she's more honest in terms of um, uh, her, you know, elements of uh, how's COVID. Uh, she'll gladly tell the story of her experience as a woman in government. And it is good. I think it is good to be open about this. But on the other hand, she's just, you know, she criticizes the vice president. That's her whole thing. She criticizes the president and claims that they'll do it better. Um, they would do it better. They would handle it better. It, it's not, there's nothing really special going on there. I think she's an inspiring, can be an inspiring person. Her life story, I think, is very inspiring. But as a political person, first of all, you're vice president, so how far can you go with your own plans? You have to follow the program. Uh, but I don't think she's very progressive. Uh, I think what helps is that she is a more in-touch uh, human with a more diverse experience, and that is good. That's something we lack with all these old white men. Mm -hmm. um, so next to all these three other people, uh, I'm, I'm throwing in uh, Trump and... and, and Biden, she's a progressive, <laughs> but next to actual progressive candidates, no. And you know they don't touch healthcare for all. You know she doesn't say it anymore. I think she used to, but she's on a ticket now. She can't. So yeah, it's really hard to tell. Yeah, I mean we she. we need at least two uh, another uh, presidential presidential terms be before AOC, uh, which is uh, <laughs> for those who don't know, <laughs> uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez which has been like the, the, the brightest light in the whole political landscape uh, of America in the recent year, I would say, yeah. uh, before she can uh, become president as well. So, because she's Maybe. just too young right yeah. now. Well, but, and she's a progressive. That's discouraging. Oh, yeah, she is as progressive <laughs> as you can be. I mean, she's... Uh, and and she's, she would probably be the only one who would e even fight on this ticket and not start pretending to be something else. I think you're right. Yeah. I, I think I don't know that she'll ever go to the presidential race. I know a lot of people want her to. I think that because of her politics being so progressive and the United States being not a progressive place so far, I think the best she can do is she can be, and that's great, she could be Senate Majority Leader one day. Um, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I just hope she's she's doing uh, she's she's keeping uh, her job and and staying in mm -hmm. politics and, and and go for a change. But what happens if? 
Joe Biden gets elected president. He's very old. He mm -hmm. knows he is, you know. He, <lacht> yes. in, and he's, I wouldn't be too sure that he's going for a second term. Right. So again, there have been a number of issues, and I, and I don't know that it's great for the, the Democratic ticket, but there's a number of issues where they don't talk much. And he was asked, oh, by the way, related to our show, Biden, I think, might listen to News of the World. But uh, they asked him if he was going to pack the court, right? This has become a big topic. He doesn't answer. That's been the strategy. I think it's really weird. Why not say I won't? So he's been asked, will you go for a second term? And he, I don't know what it is about not wanting to say yes. I guess so you can't have it held against you one day. But indeed, he, he does not answer these questions. He says, I'm focusing on now. I'm focusing on this. So I, Tim, I would hope he wouldn't go for a second term, honestly. Um... Uh, but it's hard to tell. Look, I didn't think one or two years ago that this man really wanted to do this job. I thought he was kind of pushed into it by the party. Now it's hard to tell, of course. I think now he's into it. Um, but I think he would have been happy sort of retiring into the sunset with his friend Obama. So and what does this mean? Or what would that mean? Would that, how, how does the usual democratic election process work? I mean... It's not that the vice president is automatically lifted into the presidential position unless there's actual... No, um, no. Well, he could step down. So as the vice president, especially of a certain age, um, you typically are seen as the likely uh, candidate now that you're... So for example, we've seen a number of people serve eight years, Obama, Bush, Clinton. And um, in the case of... Uh, well, I guess not Bush, interestingly. Well, Cheney was old. See, that's the problem. And Biden was also old. But Gore, for example, running uh, to be uh, president, um, that was a sort of seen as a, of course, kind of situation. And I think Harris would also be seen as a sort of whether Biden serves four or eight years, I think the party would look to Harris to then run. So if Biden serves four, um, it's highly likely that Vice President Harris would then be the the number one contender. There would still be a convention. You could still challenge her, but it's very hard traditionally to challenge mm -hmm. the, the vice sitting vice president running for now for president. Okay. Yeah. So you'd have a more open race. And uh, who knows? You know, you could see Ivanka Trump uh, running against Harris in, oh. in four years. Oh, ha 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 ha. Well, she's worked for the government. She's very experienced, <laughs> successful. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Never. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to remember. Uh, there's this woman who was the um, the first person or the Hope Hicks that got the virus mm -hmm. there, and she's listed as I think an advisor. I'm doing all this without notes, people. A advisor to Trump, right? Everybody's an advisor to Trump until they're not. And I was looking for what she did before this. Now, there's one or two little things on the on the. Um, CV. But one of the main reasons she knows Ivanka is she was, uh, she knows the Trumps. She was a frequent customer, regular customer of Ivanka's products. Brent. Yeah. This is how you get into the White House. Like buy a lot of the stuff <laughs> that they're selling, whether it's a red hat or, oh my God. I don't know, COVID tests um, about making America great again. So yeah, we, we, I don't know. Like I said, previous show trump family isn't done with donald you know it's going to be someone else next it's either in four years or eight years they're gonna try
Na, 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 I'm not listening. <laughs> well, well, Pence, I think, is also feeling really confident whatever happens. Um, and he probably thinks he's now like the cool guy in politics in his mind. <laughs> okay. He's allowed to think that. Yeah. But I guess uh, he's, he's going to be the only one who thinks that. He really believes he's special, I think. Okay. Enough of, uh, of, of um, strange dictators that nobody what? understands. <laughs> 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 Let's turn to strange dictators nobody understands. Well, happy birthday, Workers' Party of Korea. You're 75 years old and you don't look a day over 30. Uh, Kim Jong-un was out in his best gray suit. There were giant missiles, Tim. More larger, <laughs> bigger than bigger. any other missiles. The finest missiles that have ever been paraded. I counted the tires on the, <laughs> the truck. So many tires. Yes. I don't think North Korea has any rubber left because I mean, they have to pull this. No, nobody has as many tires than... Nobody. Nobody. So there was a huge party, which apparently started at midnight. I love these details. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, why do you start at midnight? I don't know. But they did uh, all of the military forces, the party people. There were so many different uniforms. It's pretty exciting. Um, and I watched that speech this morning. Um, and it was notable. And the reason I bring it to News of the World is uh, every, the, the media media is a buzz because Jung Un apologized to the people of North Korea. For what? Yes, he he said and he they say he got emotional. I watched this video. It's not 4K or anything. Um I couldn't see any tears, but he did say it moves me and he paused. He said I'm sorry that I haven't been able to bring prosperity to all because of the pressures from the outside world, this virus and the chaos that uh, we've struggled with or we struggle to keep out of our country. Um, he basically, he didn't sit on it too much. He immediately, his next statement was like, but we're the best military ever. No one has military like us. No, he didn't say that. Um, but he did say, you know, we have an amazing military. No one can come and take away our country. But the very interesting thing is that, um, you know, the the Jung-un, I'm sorry, the, the Kim uh, dynasty has always been very there from what i understand they're seen as sort of gods they're seen as above the average human they're loved so his father his grandfather he always mentions them by the way in the speech and this is the first time any leader has ever gotten and said that he feels emotional in a speech and then said to people i'm sorry that we couldn't bring prosperity to everyone to more people we've in that sense we have not succeeded uh and he puts the blame on himself then the camera turns to soldiers crying, uh, people with lots of medals on their shirts crying. Um, it, it was interesting, really boring, but very interesting. <laughs> um, he also emphasized, because um, people, I don't know. But, but he was turning the blame on, on others somehow, I mean, because of the economic pressure and the virus. I mean, he, there he are did reasons. add that. Yeah. 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 I, I'll link to the video specifically to the minute where he says like yeah in one sentence he goes uh he basically says it's my you know i, I it was a short coming on my part but uh we're you know 
we're working on it. We're getting better. And you guys support me no matter what. He does say, like, it's amazing. Like, people support me no matter what, even though they have to struggle. I mean, this, I think this is a rare thing, and from what I understand, of the world of leadership in North Korea. I mean, Kim Jong-un is, whether it works, whether it means anything, he is trying to change the narrative of what a leader is in North Korea. It's very interesting. And people, well, they seem to just go with it. <laughs> judging by the tears. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And he also, he says, you know, my sympathies to everyone in the world who has struggled with this virus that we've kept out of our country. Um, and he specifically says to South Korea, he looks forward to the day when they can hold hands again. Look, this dude is confusing because like four months ago, he destroyed the communications building, uh, which was supposed to be a direct line. It was to South Korea to resolve conflicts. And it was only two months ago or one month ago, they killed a man on a boat that I think was, I don't know what he was doing, suicidal from South Korea, and they killed him because they thought he might be bringing the virus. I mean, as usual, North Korea is all over the place, and it all starts with Kim Jong-un and his sort of soft side and his crazy hard side, and doing things we've seen before and doing things we've kind of never seen before from the leadership. Um, so, so yeah. Kim Jong-un is now officially more compassionate than Donald Trump. I believe so. And if you really want to laugh and cry, read the YouTube comments on the official North Korea YouTube channel because man, oh man, everybody loves Kim Jong-un. All names from Spain, names from Norway, names, American names. They're like so much better than what's going on in the United States. What a great leader. So sensitive. And they like link to the specific minute. They're... Yeah, they really patrol those comments and encourage <laughs> supportive accounts. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, the YouTube comments. Oh, yeah, that's Kim so Jong amazing. Speech. Truly a leader who loves his people and the people who love their leader. Oh, my yes, God. Yes, yes, it's great. Read it. <laughs> <laughs> my humblest respects from Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, People all over the world are inspired. Uh, oh my uh, god. Much uh, love from Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. Budenukova or something. He sounds like he's on the verge of tears. When most other countries have suffered from COVID, his nation has faced the tide and survived with more spending capabilities and stronger security. <laughs> the reply from Kim Jong un, apparently. I don't know. He has an account. It says, we are the strongest country on earth. Liked five times. Huh. <laughs> it's so confusing. Oh my God. Yep. 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 So enjoy that, people. I brought that to you. Oh, thank you. That's <laughs> the news we needed. Yeah, well, fin I mean... Finally, a compassionate leader. <laughs> look, he, I, th I think he is more complex than people give him credit for. <laughs> Well, he might like a be. lot of times, it's yeah, not that, he's, that that he's actually giving so many interviews on television. We don't know, <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, which yeah. is not his television. So, <laughs> right, so. true, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Um, new missiles and a crying Kim Jong Un. Uh, make of it what you want. So some bad news for the rest of the show. Yeah. Uh, new war. There is, I mean, it's an, uh, say hello to the new war. It's Which also is an old, old war. war, yeah. It's not, not that new. No. Uh, and, and most of you know this, as we say, we recycle the news here and we recycle it really slowly. 
um, and our, indeed Armenia and Azerbaijan for the last probably now three weeks have there's been an escalation in the Nagorno-Karabakh um, conflict, which is a disputed region uh, that's officially run by Armenians or ethnic Armenians. Uh, but of course, both countries, I say of course, because this is often the source of conflict in our world. Uh, no one seems immune to it. Um, but it, both countries claim that this region is not only theirs, but significant to their existence, to their religion, to their culture. And for that reason, they kill each other over it, or at least the militaries do. I mean, interestingly, both these countries were Soviet uh, nations. Um, Armenia hosts a Soviet, uh, sorry, a Russian military base. Um, Azerbaijan seems to get a lot of support. I mean, they get tacit support from Russia, but they get a lot of support from Turkey. And, uh, you know, one of the things I notice in all the images, very simple observation, tanks, something you don't see so much in, you know, many of the conflicts in our world now. Uh, we're sort of in a post-tank world. It's all vehicles that you can quickly strap things to. And uh, But no, no, these two countries still invest heavily in military equipment because of this conflict. Um, and, you know, I can imagine, I don't have any documents proving it, but you buy sometimes from Russia. Maybe you buy from, who knows, United States. And Azerbaijan certainly gets a lot of military equipment from Turkey. So in many ways, this is also a war, of course, with people profiting from it. Um, now, uh, at this point in October, there's a ceasefire that's allegedly been, well, it has been uh, agreed to, but there's already, of course, stories coming out that it's not being uh, respected. Uh, so it's just a really uh, sad situation, uh, I think, for all humans on this world, but certainly for Armenians and Azerbaijani, that soldiers die, that people who live in the region are subject to all kinds of violence. Um, and everyone predicts it'll get worse. They predict you'll be killed based on which nationality you're perceived to have, which ethnicity. Um, so, you know, I, I know a limited amount about this conflict, but I've known about it for years because this conflict has been on hold for my whole uh, conscious life. I think when I was in university, I already knew about this debate, this disputed territory. Uh, you know, a lot of countries in Eastern Europe and in, in that region have disputed territories. Usually it's disputed with Russia, but in this case, it's with these two nations. Yeah, it's been going on. And it's also uh, a classic, um, how would you say, placeholder uh, conflict where Turkey is actually supporting Azerbaijan. And uh, if I understand this right, Russia is more in favor of Armenia here. Yeah, to some extent, yep. yep. Um, yep. And I don't really know so much about uh, this background, but uh, they're not pol only politically supporting it, but for sure there's also military support, especially from from Turkey. And yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad. I mean, we haven't really mentioned that that uh, I think a few hundred people have already died in this the conflict from from what I heard. I think just correct? this year, yes. yeah. Because if you start adding up the years, it's it's yeah, it's, it's yeah. Since since it uh, escalated in the in the recent weeks, so it's not that that there's some shelling, some shooting. It's uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah, and then you get um, the negotiations are being sort of led by the Russian foreign minister. Uh, 
you know, is, I, I don't know. Is this the best person? Is this the best nation? I know they feel, because there's even an organization of, um, I think it's economic, but more, but economic cooperation, um, that I think both countries are actually in with Russia. And, you know, we're supposed to have these institutions and agreements where you can negotiate and you can talk about these things without having to go to war. But in my opinion, Russia fails on this front. I mean, until they, of course, now there's a ceasefire, so they say it's a success. Um, but these ceasefires don't hold. And indeed, if you're the country selling military equipment, because, I mean, Russia, in terms of selling of military equipment, is really back in a big way on the global uh, market. And I'm sure much of it is going to this area. I mean, certain amount. So they both benefit from the destruction of people and the the, the tensions uh, resulting in war, and yet they negotiate the, the peace. I mean, this is stuff that the United States has done historically as well. Many countries play this game. Yeah, it's a classic pattern that, that keeps repeating and it's getting recycled all the time, like our news. <laughs> yes, sorry. I laugh about the recycling, not of the conflict in Azerbaijan. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and you know, what's tricky, even especially like on our program, uh, The American elections, COVID in general, of course, COVID in Europe, Nagorno-Karabakh as a conflict really gets pushed. It gets pushed down on our list. It's it's at the end of our program. Um, on a lot of newspapers, you know, it's back somewhere. Um, there are journalists that cover this and have covered it for years, but uh, it's not considered new. It's not considered near to anyone. Um, certainly Armenians and Azerbaijanis know much more about this conflict and are probably listening going, oh, you're missing the, the details. But the average news reader in, in Europe, I don't think hears much about this. Uh, it's very limited. There's some reporting in Germany going on, but it's, as usual, it's not enough for people to understand the history and, and the, the, the true reasons behind it. Although I think they should know. And I also think they should actually explain it because that's that's the general problem with with these ever ongoing conflicts the same with israel um and palestine which is even more complex because it's more like the prototype of conflict in in this planet on this planet but Things like Armenia, Azerbaijan, Berk, uh, Nagorni, uh, Karabakh. That's that's a very good example of where you need to explain the history of the the countries and the culture and what's actually going on in order for people to be able to actually understand what this news is about. Because if it's just like, yeah, they're shelling, they're shooting, people are dead. And now for the weather. Yeah, it doesn't you know, give you the information. Uh, then you can just not talk about it as well. It's uh, it's the same. And then they say, like, yeah, but we could do a special on it, but nobody would be interested. Yeah, that's your assumption. Might be. <laughs> but is bringing the news really about, you know, dividing it up by what's most interesting, more fun to watch? Oh, look, this... This cool new conflict. That's crazy, isn't it? So, yeah. I I wish there would be more context, context being brought to people, but then again, maybe they just don't care and they're all right and we are wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, so something I noticed in my many travels in in Russia is the because you can see it in people's faces and and also in the different cultures as they're represented through either food or, or whatever else that you see is that you know the Soviet Union was made up of so many nations and all of these nations had their specific traditions also their specific uh ways of doing things and conflicts uh, disagreements and of course the Soviet Union's answer was typically although not exclusively force uh, uh, you know, keep people in line. Um, and when the Soviet Union ended, many of these conflicts that had sort of been heavy-handed controlled um, suddenly flared up again, at least in a, a, a more uh, visible way, now with bigger weapons, now with, with all-out war. So this is also the heritage of what is basically a form of colonialism. Um, this is the version where <laughs> Russia colonized the region. And tried to change ethnicities by, you know, moving people to specific regions, by sending soldiers, by, you know, who knows what means, because there wasn't that much information coming out. So we are also still dealing with, like in the rest of the world, a heritage of colonialism. This is a, not the kind where Western nations go to uh, the continent of Africa. This is Soviet colonialism and the aftermath of, you know, conflicts that were never properly addressed, understood, and maybe still aren't. It's just, yeah, yeah. So good that there is news of the world. Indeed. Who's trying Indeed. to... <laughs> We're very good at telling you, you should find out more, because <laughs> we don't have all the information. <laughs> We've I mean, heard of it. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Leave it to us to point mm -hmm. you in the direction to do the rest of the work. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Leave it in the comments below. Exactly. Yeah. And don't be surprised if we missed out on some details, maybe all of them. Uh, it's hard, right? I mean, there's so many news stories you could follow in this world, but sometimes you, your attention goes to only a few. And then, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, our program is basically, I mean, one part is that, okay, we, we want to have a closer look at the election as it unfolds. And uh, that that's like the, the main reason for taking up the program again. But uh, then, uh, of course, we, we try to, what, what is it we're trying to do? We're trying to point to things happening that, that might, you know, that should get some extra attention. Yeah. And um especially if human lives hang in the balance. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think so. And I you know, I think yeah, the the forgotten in the media especially the forgotten conflicts. Yeah. Yeah. It's always been a thing that matters a lot to me even if I don't know exactly what is going on right now, why, but I I can you can always see and and sense a, a forgotten conflict when you kind of get a little a little corner of a newspaper or a little tiny article that's missing information. You're like, something more is going on here. Yeah. So that is that. I mean, we're, Tim, we're, we're only a few weeks away from the American election. And of course this has, uh, impact all over the world. So this is crazy times for, uh, for us and everyone out there. It is. So, um, let's see how we are, uh, if we are, uh, if we can possibly um, ramp up production here a bit when it comes uh, towards the the election, and yeah, then we'll see how how the party is going to be. 
Exactly. I mean, you, you had asked me, by the way, um, just to throw something in here at the end that we will address in future programs, you know, the, the violence, the idea of conflict between people in the United States. Um, and I, you know, let's see what happens. I mean, every, every week there's something going on, but it's, it's cases here and there. Um, but there is this question of, yeah, what, what happens between people, between groups, between regions, uh, with the aftermath of this uh, election. And we're going to find out. We're going to talk about it as we get closer, of course. Yeah. If you have questions um, regarding the elections, let's, let us know in the, in the comments. Maybe we can pick this uh, up if, if, if questions are coming. Or you can also use Twitter to do this. Um, your choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then we might pick up on these. Yeah. If you have answers, you can oh, also use answers. those channels. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll go, very interesting. I will learn. Mm. I learn from the comments. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So that's it for Tim, thanks this so week. much for all your... Uh, yeah. Oh, I oh, lost you there for a second. I'm mm. back. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say uh, uh, goodbye to everybody. Uh, do you have anything to add? Uh, people like to say, stay healthy. So stay oh, healthy. Okay, stay healthy. <laughs> goodbye. Bye. We're all doomed! <laughs> People are breathing out this living poison and trying to float into my orifices. I, I lost my car keys. I, I had to steal my neighbor's Segway to get here today. And on the way, I crashed in this dumpster. And these kids are making a video and now I'm on TikTok. I can't... Excuse me. Yeah? Being not hysterical? Despite, you know, things? Oh, I can do that. Dignified. Gentlemen, welcome to the first presidential debate. Our first question in the key of G sharp minor is Scoo doo doo it dooey didn't bibbit a baba da boo baba doo it I'm so sorry. 2020's a raging hellscape. Any ideas on how to stop a worldwide plague? We should be providing people the help they need. He knew back in February it was a deadly disease. What did he do? He's on tape acknowledging he knew. Really? He waited and waited and waited, and he didn't even tell you. President Trump did a phenomenal job. People said that. Well, we got the gowns, we made the ventilators, we got the masks. I don't wear masks like him. Every time you see him, he's got a mask. The biggest mask I've ever seen. The biggest mask I've ever seen. Will we ever get back all the jobs we lost? Or should we set up 11 million Etsy shops? My economic plan would create $1 trillion in economic growth. He has no intention of making it better for you all at home. I brought back football. It was me, me. What? Big Ten football, and I'm very happy. Who's it gonna be? They wanna take out the cows, the cows. And the West Wing. Here's the deal. He has no idea what he's talking about. We're living in the apocalypse. I'm begging you to put a stop to this pretty please. He said he could inject some bleach. They cheat. If the Supreme Court is truly supreme, where's the guac, ground beef, and sour cream? The American people have a right to say, who is the Supreme Court nominee? Their biggest industry are from Notre Dame. We have a phenomenal nominee. I ran out of questions, but still got a it's time to drop some bars, let's see how you freestyle!
When Europe, they live there. Forest cities, they're called forest cities. It's a forest city. You know, he talks about the art of the deal. China's perfected the art of the deal. Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Bad things. He's just afraid. Oh, boy, stand back and stand by. But he said there were very fine people on both sides. He said maybe we should drop a nuclear weapon on hurricanes. The cars have computers all over the place. Who's it gonna be? They wanna take out the cows, the cows, and the West Wing. Now here's the deal. He has no idea what he's talking about. We're living in the apocalypse. I'm begging you to put a stop to this, pretty please. Keep yapping, man. The people understand. He doesn't have a plan. Exploding trees, COVID-19, hurricanes with names past the letter Z. Conspiracy theories about vaccines. Murder hornets coming from across the sea. Too many memes about World War III. Can't tell what's hell or reality. Earthquakes ruining my whole week. Cause I dropped my keys in the crack between the cup holder and my car seat. <gasps> Who's it gonna be? They wanna take out the cows, the cows, and the West Wing. Now here's the deal, he has no idea what he's talking about. We're living in the apocalypse, I'm begging you to put a stop to this pretty please. He said he could eject some bleach, they cheat. Who's it gonna be? That was really a pr productive segment, wasn't it? <laughs> Keep yapping, man. If you'll excuse me, the murder hornets come out at midnight, so I've got to go home and seal the door.